The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLaRente, and I'm joined by my co-host, none other than the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. It's Championship Saturday, and we got a lot of good games going on. Let's get it. All right, man. This is Know the Score. Know the Score is being brought to you by the CSPN. You can find the CSPN on the web at www.cspn.us Alright, so we're going to start with the NFL first because we all knew Antonio Brown was getting traded. We just needed to know to which team. So we figured that out as he got traded to the Oakland Raiders for a third and a fifth round pick. Well, Dwayne's old friend Dave Gettleman said, hold my beer as the Giants traded Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns for the 17th pick in this year's draft, a second round pick in next year's draft, and safety, Jabril Peppers. So Dwayne, we're going to leave Antonio on the back burner for a second because we all knew that that was the news that was going to happen. The Giants, one year after signing Odell Beckham to the richest wide receiver contract in NFL history, ship him out of town. To the Cleveland Browns. So my first question is, what does Dave Gettleman have against playmaking Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers? That's a good question because um, I'm sure somebody alleged in Carolina has the same situation when, you know, he Smith got traded and that was a very sad day, but enough about that. So I'm what is Dave Gettleman thinking? As much as we question what he's doing, there is there seems to be a method to the madness because this was the same reaction. The Giants fans have the same I had the same reaction when Carolina cut Steve Smith. And Dave Gettleman is big on getting linemen on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and then working the way back. So he starts up in the trenches, then he goes to the outside, and he'll get rid of people who don't seem like they're within his, what's the word, his um, vision. And and also kind of like personality. Also, we noticed it was also kind of like a personality thing because Steve Smith had this same, Steve Smith has brash personality, he got shipped out of Carolina. Odell Beckham, brash personality, got shipped out of New York. Josh Norman, remember how they placed the tag on him, and then they took the tag back. Josh Norman has a brash personality. So it's one of those things where if you have, like, a big, boisterous personality, you're not going to really fit in the uh, Gettleman system. D'Angelo Williams had a he, – he had a pretty – big um, personality in a sense. It wasn't as 
flamboyant as Smith or Beckham, but he got shipped out. So it's one of those things where you wonder what is going to be the future of the Giants. And it kind of worked out for Carolina because Carolina had a lot of other pieces around them, other key pieces around. But the Giants are in a they're kind of like a rudderless ship at the moment. You know, you didn't draft a quarterback last year when you had a lot of great quarterbacks available. You, and not saying, it's not a knock on Saquon Barkley because Saquon Barkley is a great pick. But, you know, you kind of needed that heir apparent to Eli Manning. And that's going to be the next domino. What's, what are they going to do with Eli? And, but I will say with Dave Gettleman to answer the original question again, there's a method to the madness that he goes through. He doesn't really, he he does what he feels is best for the team. It's his decisions and he's going to make those decisions. And he makes those decisions by taking feelings out of the equation, whether it's the fans' feelings, the players' feelings. Uh, he's strictly when he makes those decisions. It's strictly business, and it's the nature of the beast. So let's switch it over to the Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns, as we've talked about on this show, they look like they have the model to be a contender, where they have a quarterback that's a, on a rookie deal that looks like he can play. They have. Some playmakers on the outside. They got a rookie running back on a rookie deal. They got a rookie uh, pass rushing in that's still on his rookie deal. He's going to be a third-year player this year, Miles Garrett. So it looks like they've got the formula set up to contend for the next three years at least. So now they add Odell Beckham to the mix. Freddie Kitchens is taking over as the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator once Hugh Jackson got fired and Greg Williams took over as the interim. So all things are pointed up for the Cleveland Browns. Can they handle the expectations of what Odell Beckham brings to their their team now that he's been traded over there? Optimism is very high in Cleveland. Uh, you, like you said, you have you have a great uh, you have a great quarterback on uh, on these deals. You have a great two running backs. Yeah, two running, yeah, not one, but two running backs on rookie deal because we still got Duke Johnson on his rookie deal as well. Oh, and oh, oh, and Kareem Hunt too. He got suspended for eight games, but he'll be back. He, he's back, and he's on an even, even better deal. So you got, you have a loaded backfield. You have a young tight end and David and Joku on a rookie deal. So there's going to be a lot of expectations. And optimism, and but you know the games are played on the field, not on paper. But this off season, we can only take a look at what we see right now. So, uh, I mean, Beckham and Landry—they were college teammates at LSU. Um, then, so they they have the familiarity right there. And I think you know getting out the city is going to be good for. Odell, because we can focus on football. I mean, look at what happened with 
I mean, different sport, but kind of a same situation. Look at Jared Smith. He had he had the bright lights, big city in New York with the Knicks. He went to Cleveland, and his numbers went up because he there's nothing to do but focus on what you do. I want to say that they have what it takes, and you know the defense anchored by Miles Garrett, and you also forgot Denzel Ward, uh, rookie cornerback on his deal as well. So it's going to be a great, great situation. Uh, great season. I don't think they're going to be instant contenders in year one. Maybe by year three, if everything works out, they'll be they'll be up. They'll be um, you know on the AFC title picture, things of that sort. But at the moment, they could definitely contend for the AFC North. Um, you know, Baltimore will probably be the team I think is better from the top down. Cincinnati's a lot of question marks and and amongst a lot of changes, of course, you know, Marvin Lewis ain't there anymore. I forgot who is the new head coach in Cincinnati. Uh, I think his name is Zach Taylor, the quarterback's coach from the St. Louis Rams, a.k.a. one of Sean McVay's friends. Okay, so that will be very interesting because... We'll see what he does with Andy Dalton and then and AJ Green. But I would say that I would say probably Cleveland will probably be up there in that mix with Cincinnati and um, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I'll I'll say the Steelers, even though they don't have AB anymore, they do got uh, Juju Smith Schuster there. Um, you know, uh, James Conner. They got they still have some weapons. Eli Rogers, so. All's not lost in Pittsburgh, but I'd say Cleveland's definitely not going to be the laughing stop. They proved that last year, and they're definitely going to go. The trajectory is definitely up, upwards for them moving forward. All right, you touched on Antonio Brown. Like we said, to start off this program, he is moving on to the Oakland Raiders, and the Raiders have given him a new contract extension with $30 million guaranteed. So Oakland, it's they're going to play in Oakland again this year. They're not going to make the move to Vegas quite yet. How does Antonio Brown fit in, in your estimation, with John Gruden and Derek Carr? I think he fits in very well. I think uh, just the camaraderie that he has, and I think he really changed it up. I mean, we saw, you know how we saw the... The uh, the bleach the bleach goatee the bleach mustache the crazy hair but it looked like it was more of a reserved Antonio in his press conference and and not just his press conference but just the way he was talking and reflecting on his time in Pittsburgh it was just it was a different kind of Antonio Brown it wasn't the the flashy. Uh, alter ego AB that was there it was somebody who's like okay I'm here to I'm excited about this new opportunity this fresh start I want to make a good impression I want to put the work in and he's always put the work in not to say he never has put the work in but he is really all in and I think John Gruden has some plans for him I think with the way not just you have, um, you know, Derek Carr, who only had Jordy Nelson to throw to. He really didn't have anybody else to throw the ball to. Um, 
this past season, but he's going to have a lot of weapons. And give the Raiders a lot of credit. I mean, we looked at them like, what are they doing when they were shipping everybody out? Uh, Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, all that. But now, you know, they've literally revamped the whole offense and they've taken this offseason and made significant improvements to the team after was a very rough season, to say the least. AFC West is going to be so much fun, adding Antonio Brown to the mix. He gets to go up against Denver's defense, Kansas City, and, and, and Oakland. That long-standing rivalry should be an outstanding shootout, as you know, both of those teams can prove they can score. And San Diego should always be in the mix as well, so... Hopefully Antonio Brown, you know, does work out for the Raiders. I think what we saw was I got to make sure I get traded. So let me perceive to be as crazy as possible. Just so, you know, I'm saying they won't try to talk me back in the fold this time. And I think it worked because I just think also, and I think with the way the Steelers were over the last few years, they, you know, there's a perception that they prioritize Roethlisberger over everybody else. And I think there was one report where they were saying they kind of alluded to it was like Big Ben and 52 other kids. So, like, you know, these are grown men. And I think that was kind of a slight. And, you know, Ben does things that the team lets him get away with and doesn't hold him accountable versus everybody else. So the culture in Pittsburgh could be a little bit uh, questionable uh, if by uh, if that is what's going on and you know we'll just have to see how that plays out from here on out in other NFL news we had the combine and of course the main attraction at this year's combine was Kyler Murray and he measured up he was 510 and a uh, closer to 511 than you think his hands were rather large. Uh, he did not run the 40. He did uh, not throw. He just, you know, made the measurements where everybody could see that he was tall enough. His hands were big enough. So now with the way that the NFL seems to be embracing this newer style of play, it looks like he's projected to be the number one pick. So that means that Arizona has to now do something with Josh Rosen. So, Dwayne, I want to ask you, what is Josh Rosen's trade value? Yeah. Does he have any trade value? Yeah, he does. I will say that. Uh, I'll be nice. So, uh, I would say he's probably going to be worth maybe a first and or a second round pick or a third pick um, because they got him pretty high in the draft this last year. Um you know, looks like if the Cardinals do end up going with Kyler at number one, it does create a, an awkward situation because you drafted Josh Rosen as the future in the franchise going forward. But, you know, you already dismissed uh, Steve Wilkes, and now you're already on the verge of getting Josh Rosen on out as well. It's not. It hasn't been the what they envisioned. So you know, literally tearing everything down and 
rebuilding yet again with, you know, four Larry Fitzgerald embracing this rebuild somehow, some way, but I don't know. I, I think he's got trade value. He's got, and I'm sure if he's in a better system, he wasn't in a good system because he had a defensive-minded coach with the offensive coordinator whose style was antiquated. Like, Mike McCoy's offense was not effective. It wasn't effective when he was a head coach. It hasn't been effective as a coordinator. So, what, at this point, you know, with the air raid offense is coming around, like you said, it's a new, it's a new style of play, and you know, think about how much fun a Cardinals 49ers game or a Cardinals Rams game is going to be with all this offense. Speaking of trades, a team that was mentioned to be in the trade market for Josh Rosen, the Washington football team, they made a trade with Denver for Case Keenum. Case Keenum becomes expendable because they picked up Joe Flacco uh, you know, right here in the beginning of the free agency period after he was released from Baltimore. Or was that a trade? Did they trade for Joe Flacco or was he released? It was a trade. It was a trade. I think for like a fourth-round pick. They had a log jam there. Case Keenum, they picked up last year to be their starter, didn't have the best results. So the Washington football team in need of a quarterback because Alex Smith does not look likely to play in 2019 have traded for Case Keenum. Your thoughts on the Washington football team picking up another quarterback? And do you see them still maybe being a player in the Josh Rosen uh, sweepstakes eventually? I think they will be a player. I think it will be a good move, a better move. You have a better quarterback, possibly. You have a better, you have a potentially better fit for him. And they need, they need somebody young, Washington does, you know. They can't continue to rely on veterans and ineffective backups like Mark Sanchez. I mean, this is not, this is something, especially with, you know, well, if it wasn't for the Giants, I would say the dumpster fire in the NFC East would be in Washington with the court in regards to the quarterback situation. But with the Giants not really knowing what they're going to do with their quarterback situation, it's a much worse off thing, but with Case Keenum, I think he was blindsided by that Flacco, that Flacco trade. That was really essentially just saying, like, you did not get the job done. This wasn't the player that I wanted, it, that I got from Minnesota. And with Minnesota, even after a successful season, doesn't sign you to an extension and they go after Kirk Cousins, that really kind of tells you a little something about Case Keenum. So, yes, Washington would be a good fit for uh, Josh Rosen. I even thought of another quarterback that we'll um, mention a little bit in a little bit. Uh, and I just think that now with Rosen being available, it just depends on what kind of compensation Washington would be willing to give Arizona at this point. Definitely, I would not give up. What are your top picks for for Josh Rosen? But uh, I'm sure they'll work. I'm sure something could be worked out if they really, really wanted to go that route. The Dolphins in your hometown Titans they worked something out as the Dolphins traded Ryan Tannehill to Nashville 
So he's presumably going to be the backup for Marcus Mariota. And that will uh, give the Titans some insurance if Mariota, who was often injured, does get hurt this year. They can have someone that can run a similar style of offense where they don't have to make a 180 type of shift in their plans. So, Dwayne, you've got the inside scoop on the Titans and the Nashville guys, what they're thinking right now. How's this move going over with the fans? Well, the hometown team, that's, I just live here. I ain't <laughs> but the this is a good move for Tennessee, and I spoke with a lot of uh, Titans fans about this, and they're actually happy with this because, you know, it's not Blaine Gabbard, so... That was really their main. That was really their main reaction to it is not playing Gabbard. So, and like you said, it allows them to have a quarterback that knows the system and knows a similar style of offense. And we know Marcus Mariota's made of glass, so I don't think he's ever recorded a full season since he's been on the Titans roster. And this definitely allows the Titans to have a a confident backup, um, someone who does have experience starting in the NFL, you know, wasn't really that successful in Miami. Uh, if we really want to take a look at it, that's a, that could be a destination for Josh Rosen right there, the Dolphins, uh, because Tannehill was gone. That was the quarterback I was referring to, as well as Washington would have been a destination for Ryan Tannehill. But um, this is a good move for the Titans. This was a brilliant job by John Robinson getting somebody serviceable and somebody who's effective and somebody that can be a be on a, a good team for uh, years to come because they got the defense, they got the they added some real good talent on the defensive end. They have a good offensive line. They have a great running back in Derrick Henry. Uh, once Delaney Walker comes back, that receiving with the wide receivers and tight ends should improve significantly. And that's about it. That's all I got for um, the Titans. And and uh, things of that sort. So the free agency period began this week. So some notable free agent signings. Earl Thomas, he's going to sign with the Ravens. Uh, Terrell Suggs, he left the Ravens and he's going to sign with the Cardinals. Le'Veon Bell, he's back. He signed with the Jets. Nick Foles, he officially ends the Blake Bortles era in Jacksonville as he signs with the Jaguars. The Washington football team make Landon Collins the richest safety in NFL history with a big deal. Golden Tate, I forgot where he went to, Dwayne. Uh, Remind me, please. The Giants. The Giants, yes. He replaces Odell Beckham as he's going to be their number one receiver. Mark Ingram, he's headed to the Ravens as well as he his time in New Orleans has come to an end. Justin Houston, still out there on the market as he got released by the Chiefs. The Chiefs are also trying to make a trade for D Ford, but we'll see if they have any takers. I think he's going to San Francisco. Okay, there you go. Uh, anything else as far as notable free agents that you've heard or, or guys that I may have missed? Uh, the Honey Badger, uh, Tyrone Matthew, I know he went to the Chiefs. Yeah, Tyrone Matthew went to the Chiefs. Tyrell Williams is in Oakland joining Antonio Brown. 
Uh, the Raiders released Jordy Nelson as a result of that move. And then uh, Quan Alexander, formerly with the Bucks, he signed with the 49ers as well. Uh, Latavius Murray is going to replace Mark Ingram in New Orleans uh, with a four-year deal. And Matt Paradis, he was the center in Denver. He signed a three-year $27, $27 million deal with the Carolina Panthers. He will replace Ryan Khalil, who retired. So Cam Newton's going to have a new center. Once um, Matt heals up, uh, he'll be the the guy hiking the ball to Cam Newton, who's doing very well in shoulder recovery from the shoulder surgery he had in the offseason. Um, actually been listening or following his um, YouTube videos and really just gives you a good, insightful view of Cam on and off the field. So um, definitely something to look out and watch out for. So um, uh, Thomas Davis, uh, after the Panthers said they wouldn't be, um, they wouldn't be uh, renewing his contract, he signed a deal with the L.A. Chargers um, for two years, $10.5 million. So the landscape of the NFL is forever changing around this time of year with the free agency trades, uh, trades for quarterbacks. Uh, this year has been the tone of this offseason. So we'll continue to see what happens up through the draft. The NFL continues to make news every two months. They have something that happens. Which is in Nashville, by the way. Congratulations. Are you going to try to make it? Are you going to try to go? I am. I'm actually trying to see if I can can go and you know try to see if I could even you know maybe get a press pass somehow. So we'll see what happens. There you go. So hopefully that works out, man. That'd be a cool experience to come back to the show and talk about for sure. Absolutely. One way or another, I'll I'll give I'll give my findings or whatnot. I'll let you know what's up. Pull up Bomani Jones and try to sneak in. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Be like I'm a long time follower, man. (laughs) This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra Icon, Dwayne. Know the Score can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and also YouTube. So we're gonna shift over to the MLB. It took a while, but Bryce Harper finally got his money. It wasn't $400 million like we thought it was going to be, but it was a 13-year deal worth $330 million from the Philadelphia Phillies. Came up just short last year making the playoffs. They lost out to the Atlanta Braves in the division. But this year, they boasted up their lineup before even signing Bryce Harper. They look like they have the best young pitching besides the Braves in the division. So I'm going to ask you, Dwayne, to your chagrin, are the Philadelphia Phillies the favorite to win the National League East this year? Well, I have to answer this question. <laughs> I mean, don't be letting uh, your hate conflate your opinions. <laughs> nah, they are the favorites, and it's definitely... I mean, they definitely have loaded up pretty significant additions. And, and you know, the Braves are still in the mix. You know, they are the defending champs. Uh, the Nationals, even with the Lewis of Harper, they, they did very well in the offseason. 
added added pieces to their lineup. Uh, the Mets did a good job, actually. I think there's a lot of good good moves that were made in amongst the NL NL East. I mean, the Marlins probably didn't make the most didn't make the most noise. I know they're still in the rebuild process, so it's a it's going to be very interesting to to see what happens this season because you know games are played on paper, and I'm also just waiting to see when how things are going to go in the next few years if Bryce Harper starts to the production starts to fall off and you know Philly fans start to express their sounds very freely about him. So we'll see what happens. A lot of people are predicting big things for Bryce this year just because of the ballpark and the prior success that he's had in that ballpark as a visiting player. And they figure if he plays, you know, all those games there, that his numbers should be fairly well. I think Bryce Harper's biggest thing is he just needs to be healthy. He's always nicked up. He's always hurt. And it's always affecting how he swings and his approach at the plate. So if he can get a year of relatively, you know, uh, great health where he doesn't have any nagging injuries, doesn't crash into the wall and have to miss, you know, 10 days because he hurt his shoulder or hurt his wrist, I think that would benefit him more than anything that, you know, uh, a ballpark or, or anything like that. Just have good health. Right. But it's only going to be the richest contract in MLB history for – a very short period of time because there's a certain somebody in in Los Angeles that's going to get a huge payday very, very soon. Well, speaking of an NL West team giving out a big payday, the Colorado Rockies and Nolan Arnado, they agreed to an eight-year, $260 million contract, and it has the highest average salary in the league of $32.5 million. So I guess the Colorado Rockies don't consider themselves small market no more. Well, absolutely not. I mean, this is you want to keep your players, you want to pay up, and I know this is this is kind of a new age of baseball where small market teams, quote unquote, are able to pay their big stars. So uh, look at San Diego; uh, they're able to lure. They're able to lure a big star. Uh, with this case, with the Rockies working on getting one of the brightest young stars to re-up for this amount of money, and only can imagine what's going to be next. And the certain somebody I was referring to was Mike Trout because we know he's going to get a very big payday very very soon. Yeah, he is. Uh, Mike Trout's going to be in a very interesting situation as the Phillies uh, look like they still have more money to. Uh, to burn and Bryce Harper is going to probably have to pay a fine for tampering because he's been openly campaigning for uh, Mike Trout to come over to Philly. So we'll see what happens when bright, when uh, excuse me, when Mike Trout gets out on the open market and, and where it's where the, the floor is, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be about three fifty. All right. And here's the thing though, with that too, the angels have the, the angels can pay him. But the only problem with the Angels right now, if they wanted to give them that that kind of money, there's a certain player that just doesn't that seems to not want to retire now. But Pools, well, isn't he coming to the end of that ten year deal? Isn't this like this? He's got like dang, it's only been seven years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's not going anywhere. So 
He said, I guess he's going to wait it out. But Pujols is like, I could just retire and y'all still give me this $3 million and uh, prorate it. But nope, I'm going to play it out and get all my money. Exactly. So that could affect, that could definitely affect uh, Mike Trout. But we'll see what happens. But yeah, Pujols is, Pujols is really just sitting there saying I'm good. All right. So. Major League Baseball is in spring training right now, so we'll definitely try to link up with Nabias and see if we can get like a preview show uh, heading into the season, see what's going on with the Braves and uh, what they're looking like in spring training and who he sees. It looks like they'll be running into shape. And can somebody knock off Boston? They look like they're going to be in a good position to repeat, and uh, it'll be to see if you know the Yankees can compete and have something to say about it. Yeah. Can't wait. So, Dwayne, we'll shift over to basketball, and we'll start with the NBA. The Lakers, they throw up the white flag for this season, as Brandon Ingram will miss the rest of the season due to blood clot issues. Lonzo Ball has been shut down for the rest of the season due to an ankle injury, and the Lakers said they will rest LeBron James during the final handful of games this season. I guess this is the quote-unquote load management that's become so popular. Uh, in the league, as far as guys taking games off and getting rest. At the beginning of the season, everybody didn't figure the Lakers would be a quote-unquote title contender, but we expected them to be a part of the playoffs, at least a second-round team. They got to match up just right, and everybody matured and ran it into their roles. That This could possibly, if all things lined up just right, they could get into the Western Conference Finals in the first year. Well, none of that happened. They're sitting in the room on fire and it looks like Luke Walton is going to be the first fall guy as soon as the season ends. So your assessment, Dwayne, of the Lakers disastrous season and LeBron James, how does he turn this season, this bad season into a good summer? Uh, Number one, get healthy. Number two, and get some better role players around him that's a, that's gonna be the top two priorities and so it's gonna be very interesting with the way the Lakers move in the offseason. I think it's pretty glorious personally and that's for the simple fact that the what's the word I'm looking for? Um the quality of talent that's around him. I mean they had the trade rumors, the uh, the express desire for Anthony Davis, who is also um, part of uh, Clutch Sports Entertainment, and he did say that with the with the way that things have been going, uh, like I said, Luke Luke Walton is going to be likely that casualty, the fall guy. But this has been anything but what people expected. I think people. Like you said, expect at least a Western Conference Finals run. And, you know, within any kind of striking distance, I was just looking at the standings today. The Lakers are like nine games out of that eight spot in the West with 13 games to play. So it's definitely a white flag season. This is definitely been a season to forget, especially been all the fanfare, all the excitement. And,. This is the end result. Just a lot of regular ship. We'll see if they can get something back on track. So, we're getting close to the playoffs. And, of course, that means there's battles to be 
the AC. In the Eastern Conference, the battle is between Miami, Orlando, and Charlotte, with Miami holding the eighth seed currently. So, Dwayne, that's been Kimba Walker's one thing he hasn't accomplished. He's done a lot. He's become an all-star. He's gotten a lot of recognition. But he, do you see Charlotte being able to overtake Miami and hold off Orlando and make it into the playoffs this year? Okay. Okay, so if we – with the Lakers, are we still, not, we still on the Lakers, right? No, we're on the the Hornets trying to get into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, the Hornets. Okay. Okay. So, with the Hornets situation, with the with the eight spot out west, it's, they got to find ways to win on the road. That's been their biggest problem. They're 21 and 14 at home, but they're 10 and 23 away from the hive. So, the road has been, the road woes have been killing them. Um, you know, Kevin Walker has done everything in his power. I mean, he's been in the playoffs once. Um, Charlotte hasn't won the playoff series since 2001, when the last time the Hornets made the playoffs. Um, they did make the playoffs as the Bobcats once, but they were eliminated. And then they were swept um, not a couple of years ago when they made it. So uh, Kevin Walker has been in the playoffs a couple times. But uh, not a couple times, but just once. But uh, he does; he hasn't won in the playoffs yet. And I think what it's going to have to take is the Hornets need to find they need to find a rotation. They've been playing a lot of guys, and there's no continuity and no fluidity on their offense. So it's just one of those things where you know everybody across the board has to do better. All right. Now at West. The battle is between Golden State and Denver for the top seed. Now, it looks like Golden State, they've had some issues here the past couple of weeks. Um, they've been trying to rest some players. Kate Clay Thompson missed some games due to an injury, and they dropped a couple of games you normally don't see them drop. They lost to Orlando. They've lost to Phoenix. So what's going on with Golden State, and do you think they'll be able to enter the playoffs as the number one seed? Golden State is just going through those. Those uh, March laws, as I like to call them, those March laws are are where you play so much basketball in such a short period of time where you're just exhausted from it. So, so it's just one of those things where um, they'll it's kind of like a switch. They'll they'll have their switch back on by the time by the time that the playoffs begin. I just don't see. I just don't see them not only falling to the number two seed, I don't see them, you know, losing that focus when the playoffs begin. Now, don't get me wrong about Denver. They are a great team. They have proven to be a great team. They're very well coached. Uh, but I think the experience factor, especially as we get closer and closer to April, will still be as effective of a tool. All right, so that's the NBA talk for this edition of Another Score. Now we'll shift over to a little bit of college basketball. As UNC, they got a sweep of Duke last Saturday to share the ACC regular season crown with Virginia. Uh, During the week leading up to the ACC tournament, Zion Williamson was named the Rookie and Player of the Year in the ACC. And then we got the much-anticipated matchup between 
North Carolina and Duke with Duke at full strength. And Zion Williamson proved to be the difference by one point as Duke was successful in the semifinal 74 to 73 as they moved on to play Florida State in the finals as they upset number one ranked Virginia. So, Dwayne, I'll let you speak on the Big 12 in Kansas, what they got going on. They're still here. They didn't win the regular season uh, title, but they got a chance to win the conference tournament. And they got work to do because they're down by 10 at the half. Do do you feel like this is one of those years where you're coming in underneath the radar and maybe this is what you need because, you know, you won't have as big a target on you as you normally do. And maybe you guys can play loose and Bill Self can coach a little bit looser. I think that's what, I think over the last couple of days in the Big 12 tournament, we've seen kind of a different kind of a team. And I think over the last uh, few games, despite them being bosses and not only the fact they're not coming off losses, but they're also dealing with a whole different different vibe. So things really went south for Kansas after Yudoka uh, uh, Zabuki went down with that wrist injury and subsequent surgery. You know, but to finish third in the Big 12 and now be in the championship, that's always a great thing at the, at the end of the day. Now, we've had some movement on the FBI uh, college basketball shoe scandal. And the big bombshell, besides a couple of, I think it was three guys that went to jail, was that Mark Godfrey has been reported to be the one that handed over payments directly to be given to Dennis Smith Jr.'s family during his recruitment to NC State. So this is the second biggest bombshell next to, I guess, Archie Miller being on the wiretap, uh, you know, and uh, the new revelation with LSU's coach, uh, Wade, also being talked about being caught on the wiretap talking about, you know, pushing recruitment through for a player. So it seems like this isn't going away, and now the coaches are getting tied a lot closer to these improper benefits. So how do you feel that the NCAA will handle this thing with Mark Gottfried and NC State? It's going to probably be a long time for them to do something because, you know, there's a lot of things going on that should be punishable, but... They're not going to. They're not going to um, enforce it. I think that with the way that things are going with with this case, it's a long drawn out process. You got more cases that are still to come. So the immediate results, I don't see anything being affected by NTA doing anything affecting this ruling. I would love to see the way this plays out. And I think that's really what it's going to boil down to. I mean, Gar- Godfrey's, uh, is he is he an assistant somewhere? Is he a head coach? I think he was on TV the last time I saw him, but he maybe have slipped back into the coaching rank somewhere. Okay. I mean, if Dave Bliss can get a coaching job, anybody can. So, <laughs> um, uh, But, yeah, Mark Godfrey. Uh, he's gonna be. He's got a lot of questions to answer to about this situation, and, and uh, I want to say, I want to say somebody. Well, 
Uh, we haven't heard from Dennis Smith Jr., of course, but um, it would be interesting to see what is going to be the um, fall, the fall and the end result of all this. Oh, oh, Godfrey's at Cal State Northridge. Okay, all right. So there'll definitely be something. Uh, like you said, it may take a while, but, you know, we'll see what type of sanctions and things that, hand, that get handed down. It may be a thing where Godfrey goes to jail and NCAA doesn't get a chance to do anything to him, but who knows where the investigation will take us. So definitely something to keep your eye on. I know they, they, they always tend to, you know, timing is everything, and they bring this up right before March Madness, you know. So just the way things work, but we'll see what happens with the investigation going forward. So, Dwayne, at this time, man, we've come to the end of the show, so it's time for your shout-outs and thank yous and your final thoughts. Uh, shout outs to the listeners. Shout out to the host, the, the people. Don uh, definitely do a magnificent job with the CSPN. Always thankful for the opportunity. And shout out to my family and uh, dearest friends. My final thought: I would have to go to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they're about. 19 points to 29 points clear of the rest of the NHL for, for nobody in sight for with nobody in sight for the uh, competition in terms of competition. They've lost a few games, but they're like at 110 points. Uh, the next team is the San Jose Sharks at 94, so uh, 16 points ahead. Uh, but the thing is, the team that wins the President's Trophy usually does not fare well in the playoffs. Um, so we just got to be wary of that fact as well. But shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're really doing it. Uh, let's see. My final thought will probably be, since I'm watching this Xfinity race as we record this, just Kyle Busch going for 200 career wins throughout all three series of NASCAR. Uh, it's a lot, a lot different accomplishment than Richard Petty's record-setting 200 cup wins but it's still 200 wins nonetheless uh, it's a great accomplishment it's a career goal of Kyle Busch obviously he has the most career wins in the truck series he has the most career wins in the Xfinity series which is the series just below uh, NASCAR cup so and he has 51 wins in cup as well so uh, he's 33 years old so there's no telling what his final totals will be he continues to Love racing, and uh, he's always up front and a contender to win races. So I think that people should take a time, take a second to marvel at what Kyle Busch is doing. Appreciate it, even though he is the villain of NASCAR. Appreciate it. And uh, when he does get this 200 win, celebrate it. And then after that, you can go back to, you know, booing and, and saying the things that people say about Kyle Busch uh, on every other Sunday or Saturday. So. Big shout out to Cal Bush, Joe Gibbs Racing, and, and the team and, and all that he's done in his career so far. And I look forward to what's to come. I'd like to also give my shout outs to Dwayne, the Libra icon, for joining me. Everybody here on the CSPN, all the podcasters who put forth the time and efforts to make the podcast network be what it is. So thank you. Thank you to all the listeners. Please subscribe and listen to all our podcasts. Be sure to check out our Patreon page over on patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. Also, do some shopping with amazon.com through CSPN.us. 
Mother's Day is coming up, so you can help out your favorite podcast network and get something for your mom by going through cspn.us. Click the banner on the top of the page that says keep our podcast free. Click on Amazon. Do your shopping as you normally would. Some of your purchase will come back to help keep know the score free each and every week. (laughs) So thank you once again to everybody who's listening. Also, check out our college basketball preview. I had Russell Hangline from the 2.1 Seconds to Madness podcast as my special guest. Uh, We talk about the conference tournaments and we also talk about the brackets and the six to eight teams that you need to look out for as true contenders. Russ also gives you some mid-majors to watch out for as well for those upsets. So if you want to be the smartest person in your bracket, in your office pool this year, please take a listen to Russ. He has fantastic knowledge. Uh, He watches a lot of games. Uh, He knows a lot of players, a lot about these teams, and uh, he really goes by the numbers. So please check that out right here on Know the Score and CSPN. So, for the Libra Icon Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score. 